we would be honored if you would join. all right everyone welcome to another episode of dungeon crawlers where that's right uh it is that time to go to a galaxy far far away because you know may the fourth has happened and revenge of the fifth and all those other crazy fun days and so because of that in honor of one of our favorite franchises we are going to be talking about star wars now you're probably wondering what have we not already covered in star wars because in the length of this uh this podcast we've talked about star wars quite a bit you can't uh, back out now though you already pressed play sorry yes now you have to listen that's the law (laughs) you must stay uh, we're going to do something a little bit different, and that is we decided to talk about characters that have appeared in the live-action films that didn't really get their time in front of the camera. They, they showed up, but we want to see more of them in whether that is a, an animated feature, a short show, uh, or something. You know, there's a lot of times where we see characters that show up, but we don't really get to know about them except for you know, Clone Wars or other things like that. And That's right. Characters that we would like to see more of. Uh, you know, let's face it. It happened for Boba Fett, uh, you know, in the books, in the comic books and cartoons and that. We saw a lot more of him. Um, Dengar. Uh, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. I'm, I'm not going to say more because I might take someone from the list. <laughs> we selected two characters that we wanted to see more of and we'll talk about them and why and and so on and so forth and that will be our gift to you for this uh star wars celebration uh all i can think of when you say the name dengar is the uh robot chicken skit (laughs) where he's walking around talking about how you know everybody said it'd be dumb for me to put a toilet on my head (laughs) (laughs) you know dengar is probably one of those bounty hunters that just you look at him and you go why? Uh, why was this a brilliant idea, George Lucas? Because he literally looks like he just is wearing to- toilet paper on his head. That's right. And he's wearing droid parts or armor. But, but if know. you if you read the comics or if you read the expanded universe novels, it ends up that Dengar is a pretty incredibly fascinating character. He is. Uh, not only that, he's a pretty amazing bounty hunter too. Yes. Uh, and we've. It, Thanks to Clone Wars, we got to see a little bit of that. But still, you look at him, and, and maybe that's the whole point. You underestimate him because he has toilet paper on his head. Uh, and so yeah. you let your guard down, and he's able to win. So it's it's all manipulation. He's, he's psyching you out before he takes you down. So here's the thing, though, right, is you're like, it's a, it's a George Lucas problem. But I would remind you that he first appeared in Episode 5, which although circumstantially definitely manipulated by George Lucas was actually primarily done by, and now my brain uh, just Kasdan? gave up on me. It was a Kasdan? Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, that, that's true. The director for Empire and the director for Return of the Jedi were two different people. You had three different directors across the trilogy. George Lucas was at the helm of all three of them. So, it was so sh- the, the director of Empire is uh, Irvin. Irvin Kirshner. Oh, Kirshner. Kirshner. Yeah, Kirshner. Uh, yeah, so Lucas Lucas did help write five, but he was doing other stuff. Well, yeah, yeah but he was still uh, he was still heavily involved. He was heavily involved. I mean, he he didn't back out of anything. On I that. mean, it was I believe it was actually Lucas who uh, came up with the idea that on the set, no one like no one would know what Vader really says. He had David Prowse say that Obi-Wan was was yeah. Luke's father. Well, everyone had a different uh, everyone, line. Yeah. No, no, it was it was Obi-Wan killed Luke's father. Oh. It was the lie that was told yeah. on set. Obi-Wan killed Luke's father. And then, and then at the premiere at the Chinese Man Theater, when they had James Earl Jones voiceover, that's when the big reveal happened. And only Mark Hamill and James Earl Jones knew about it. Well, and the funny thing is, is when Mark Hamill re- retells that story, he's like, I'm sitting in the man's theater and everyone's doing it. And everyone like just gasps in surprise. And then Harrison leans back to me and says, hey, kid, you knew about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's and, something um, Harrison would say. But, you know, and he was just like terrified. Um, 
I mean, that was back in the day, like letting go of a secret like that could get you seriously fired. Yeah. Um, in fact, there is a, a misconception about David Prowse, who um, months before the release, um, even before it had actually gone into post-production where James Earl Jones came in and recorded the line, was in an interview and speculated that Vader was Luke's father. Mm. And now people say he was in on it the whole time, but that was not necessarily the coincidence. Just, you know, it was good storytelling. But you know, but, but, but we digress. We digress. I am super (laughs) fascinated about tonight's topic because the star Wars is a universe that has a wealth of characters, a wealth of players that do not get their time in the uh, dual sons of Tatooine. So, um, so let's start with Daniel. Daniel, what is one character that appears in the live action films that interests you, but that we didn't get to see a lot of and that you'd like to see more? You know, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the easy one right now. And and that's for Loam. Uh he, he's an ambitious Loam series protocol droid, which we see on the deck of the Star Destroyer as Vader is walking back, talking to all of the various bounty hunters. Um, you know, rep you know, making sure that Boba Fett does no disintegrations. Uh, he's a very interesting droid. And the reason I, I want to know more about that character, because, you know, most of the droids we saw um, with the same body structure as him were, you know, like 3PO. He has a very kind of 3PO-esque body, but he has this weird head that looks like an insect. It was always the weirdest thing. And, you know, I even had the toy and everything, and he has this massive gun and that's really the only time you ever see this this droid, you know. Well, isn't that the same of, kind of? Isn't that the same kind of droid that appears in Mandalorian? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and we we I mean, there's a lot of history and backstory for IG88, and we even see IG88 show up. Uh, you know, well, an IG, not IG88, an IG right. model. It's IG11 in Mandalorian. Yeah, in Mandalorian, and even you know, then it's like, whoa, that's really cool. But this is a character you don't re- we've never really seen. He rewrote his own programming and started out becoming a thief and then later became a bounty hunter. I mean, you don't hear often about droids rewriting their own programming. And, and he did that. And, you know, he was really well known, you know, and, and this is all the backstory stuff in the extended universe, really well known for specializing in antas- in anticipating the moves of his targets um and he did a lot of high bounty clans for the hut clan and i would really like to see this i'd like to know the origin story of this character because it's just like it just sounds really cool and he's always interesting and he just looks weird i mean that's the the biggest thing and i always like wanted to know like how did this guy come about where did he come from you know how did he get involved and why was he on that Star Destroyer uh, as one of the ultimate uh, bounty hunters in the galaxy? Because we all know why Boba Fett's there. We know why IG is there. We sort of know why Dengar's there. Uh, uh, you know, we kind of like notice Zuckus for a second. Yeah, we know Bosk is there. Um, you know, and they've kind of added in later you know that cad bane was there but he wasn't on screen and uh oh, what's that the female's name that has the antenna in her head uh something sing azura sing or an oran sing yeah yeah hmm. um she's supposedly there too but okay, again i know that wasn't originally filmed there but um it's very interesting uh so that's the my first pick nice that's an excellent excellent choice uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that you had a little bit of background from the EU and all that. Yeah. Because uh, that, that's basically where we have to go for a lot of this information. But if you had your choice, would you want to see a short film, a series, or an origin film about Forlom? I don't think we need an, a film, an entire film. I think an episode or two uh, would be more than enough for this character. You know, just because he's he's not that big of a character um so you know an episode two or two shows up in some sort of star wars thing 
I think would, would have been awesome. I like it. I like it. Excellent and well done. Yes, Elton, sir. who is your first pick? Yeah, you know, and it, the, the other thing that I think is good contextually for my first pick is very much to your point, like if we were to see more live action media, what would it be? For me, I would want a short film, like a 20 minute, maybe 40 minute film on uh, a character who gets very little screen time, relatively speaking, but who I have come to appreciate because of our good friend, Mr. Filoni. I've gone back and I've rewatched Phantom Menace a number of times since. And as I rewatch it, there are more things that I pick up on. I still don't think that it's a perfectly executed film by any means, but I can see the seeds. I can see what was there. And there's this little character by the name of Captain Panaka. Oh, nice. He is one of the Naboo guard in charge of, ex of escorting Queen Amidala and playing security to her. I believe he is actually her head of security in episode one, though he ends up being replaced in episodes two and three as she moves away from being the queen. But the reason that I pick him is because he is one of the few characters who is actually willing to doubt the integrity of the Jedi. And he does it with stone cold cojones <laughs> to the Jedi's face to be like, you can't take care of her. I, I got to take care of her. That's my job. And I don't trust you. Right. Um, which I think that had that character been treated a little bit better. I don't know that I would try to make him a huge feature in the film necessarily, but I would have loved to have seen those seeds of doubt be explored a little bit more. And I think that it could be a very good short film talking about what happens as Palpatine comes to power as the emperor. And there's all this debate about, did the Jedi really betray the Republic? And I would love to see, again, just like a short film, maybe even play it in little vignette style things of him going through this process of what happens from the end of episode one to what happens, you know, ostensibly at the beginning of episode four, where we see this growth of him talking about how, like, I never really trusted them. And then maybe we watch a small character arc of him over time starting to see the way that uh, that illusion of security uh, can often lull oneself into deception. And I think that that could make for a very interesting story. It's one that I've contemplated writing myself for quite some time. And um, I don't know, maybe there'll be some lazy summer weekend where I just go out to a cabin somewhere and that's what I do. And uh, it'll just be for me. But I think that it could be a very interesting thing from a very minor minor interaction but that could carry a lot of weight that so is that's awesome my that's my first pick Krebs, that's a great choice you? um first of all high five on that choice that's an excellent choice yes uh my first pick tonight is a character named lobot uh and i <laughs> his his name is interesting because as you type in the name lobot into the search engine uh it starts suggesting oh do you mean lobotomy which is perfect for his character his character he's the, he appears in the empire strikes back when we first meet lando calrissian he is the character who is bald but he has like a computer that wraps around the back and side of his head and oh, you mean jordy laforge uh jordy laforge wearing his visor backwards Sorry. Uh, the exact opposite. Instead of being black with an eye visor with hair, he's white, bald, and it's backwards on his head. Anyway, so um, so Lobot is Lando Calrissian's right-hand man. And if I remember correctly, he has zero lines in Empire Strikes Back, at least nothing that's on screen, right? Mm -hmm. But there is there are there's a scene where they they show you that Lobot and Lando are actually tightly connected to each other because Lando types something into his wrist computer and Lobot kind of comes out of hibernation and gets to work and helps Lando turn the tables on the empire on Cloud City. The reason this character interests me so much 
is because Lando has spent years and years. And by the way, I think this is one of the things they did well in the movie Solo was showing that Lando was genuinely like a, a cad. He was a scoundrel and a swindler, right? And he has a criminal past. He's he always he always skirts on the wrong side of the law, but he doesn't go so deep as to be like, you know, um, a crime boss like the huts, right? He's 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 a crime, he he like runs a crime syndicate the way that like any proper businessman would has to hustler. have a business friend. He's a hustler, he's a that's shark. right. He doesn't actually want to hurt anybody. No, he just wants to get his little bit off the top. But he does not mind breaking the law to get what he wants. He just doesn't, he's just not a violent criminal, right? We call him a grifter. I think he, he kind of- A grifter, that's a great term. Yeah, yeah, he's a grifter. Yeah. He, he cheats at Sabak, right? So yeah. or, is it Sabak or Sabak? Sabak. Sabak, excuse me. He How? cheats at Sabak. I know, right? Mispronouncing a made up word? I know, what? right? Uh, and no, I don't that's... even know the rules. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so Lobot is- Lando's right-hand man. And after years and years and years of Lando being a grifter and a scoundrel, uh, what that tells me is that Lobot won Lando's trust. Or perhaps Lobot has a debt to Lando, not financial, but in terms of life, much like the way that Chewie has a life debt for to, to Han, right? Um, it makes me wonder what their past is. And so I would love to see an origin film, probably like a short film or maybe even one or two webisodes in a series of origin stories that tell us who Lobot is. How did he get that intelligence enhancing AI computer installed in his head or why did he do that? And how long has he been with Lando? How did they make that relationship work? What's his real authority? Because he obviously has authority when he's on Cloud City. And what happens to him after Lando loses Cloud City and joins the Rebellion? Where does Lobot go from there? I would love to know all of that. Sweet. I think that that is an excellent pick. Lobot is someone who's always really fascinated me as well. I remember as a kid watching those scenes and just kind of being like, I, I don't know. I always kind of built him up to be a bigger character in my head than he actually plays in the film itself, just because he's interesting. And I think that's exactly the type of character that we're looking for tonight. So excellent, excellent choice. Thank well, I you. Mean, the, the nice thing about Star Wars is a lot of these characters really got um, an extension of, of life in the extended universe stuff. And we just... You know, if you didn't read it, you just didn't know about it. If you didn't uh, pick up certain things or games or movies or whatever he, they appeared in, you don't really know. Um, you know, the, the one interesting thing I really like uh, about Lobot's history is the reason he has the cybernetic implants is because he was actually wounded by an Imperial Guard. Mm. Uh, so he lost his mind. So the cybernetic implant actually works as his brain. That is awesome. So he's not just some random person. There, there's some really cool uh, things there, which kind of adds to the story of why he was more than willing to uh, betray the Empire. Uh, so if I remember right, uh, I'm trying to remember. So he was working with Lando when Lin Lando still had the Falcon, um, so he was actually kind of one of Lando's side henchmen and they were trying to steal the emperor's personal yacht. And that's when he was wounded. Hmm. If I remember nice. the story, right. So, you know, uh, there's some kind of cool stuff. It's so he's, you know, cause we see him and he seems like he's kind of the, the over, you know, the guy in charge of all the security in Bespin, but he's really more than that. You know, as we've been talking about this, I've actually had a thought of something that has never occurred to me before this moment that I think is one of the reasons that the original trilogy feels so much different than the sequel trilogy from Disney. And it is exactly what we're talking about here. George's galaxy felt very lived in. Yes. Uh, and, and I've never really thought about this until this moment, but really in episode seven and episode eight, 
there were not a lot of extras. There were not people in the background. We were focusing on very covert, small frame, close in on your mains, film cinematography. Um, whereas with four, five, six, Lucas was constantly forcing people through the background, not just movement, but specifically people doing things, having conversations, making noise. And I think that that is one of the, the great strengths to Star Wars is that it, it had that sense of, you know, not really retro futurism, but this, this combination of future, but heavily weighed down, heavily lived in, very resource intensive, huge disparities that implied social orders and chaos and interactions and communities that made people want to ask more and pay attention to the details because there was always something to look at. I wasn't just focused on the main faces throughout the entire film. During the critical moments, it always boiled down to them. But whenever we were building tension, whenever we were establishing stakes, there were always people in the background because yeah. that is the stake of Star Wars is the future of the galaxy. That's I've never thought point. about that until this exact moment. Well, and if, I mean, if you look at it, it makes sense because when Lucas is creating this world, at the same time, he was also trying to figure out how can I market this? How can I make more money off it? You know, all these little random guys, they came out as toys. Mm -hmm. You know, when we look at the current line of toys, who do you have? You really don't have any extras. You know, you don't get a rose. You can't go out and buy a rose. You can't go uh, out and buy, oh man, what Holdo. Um, you know, it's pretty much Han, Luke, Ray, Finn, Poe, BB-8, R2, 3PO, Chewie, Chewie, uh, Kylo Ren, some stormtroopers. There's none of these extras. But when I, you know, when I was a kid, man, there was all these guys. You That's could get true. You could get Bost. You could get Dengar. You could get some random dude that only showed up in you know moss Eisley bar on tatooine uh the hammerhead the authorian i mean there's all these characters that you got and he he was doing that to that point like the only reason why we know these names as well as we do i shouldn't say the only reason but the main reason is because we had those toys as kids yeah those of us who aren't elton and we <laughs> we you know yeah, you yeah. would get the um you get the classic either the c-3po bust or the vader bust that would open up it would split yeah, it down it would bisect and then inside you had all the characters but all of the slots had named stickers and every character in the bubble pack had a full-on name on the pack it wasn't just like alien number three right um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only way I knew Bib Fortuna's name was that I had the action figure. Yeah. Which was even cooler when we did see him at the end of Mandalorian. Oh my gosh, so much. Weapon that the toy did. Because you I, never see that weapon until that, that point. Spoilers, spoilers. I almost went with Bib Fortuna for my second and then chose not to. So what is your second, Krebs? Now you've dangled it out there and we got to find out. Oh, I'm dangling. I'm dangling. But not yet. First, we go back around the horn to Daniel. It is Daniel's turn. Daniel, Last, character number two. No, no, no. I want to. Oh, do you want to go like? That's fine. Uh, so my next <laughs> choice is Galen Urso. Uh, and the re reason for this, I, you know, I, I again, I don't we definitely think it's, a short movie or maybe a couple episodes worthy. I want to know what happens from the point that he is taken away from Jane and he's working on the Death Star, you know, on Stardust. And um, up to the point he dies, I really want to know what happens in that time period because it's such an, it's, it's like this black hole uh, of time. You know, he, he goes through all this process to create this, defect in the ultimate battle station and you know how does he how does that happen what is the steps he takes uh why and how does he get away with it because i mean really at this point it's just like oh hey i made this happen i knew it was you know it was the wrong thing to do but i i, I had to do it otherwise they were going to find someone else to do it and there'd be no stopping them blah 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 so what is everything he had to go through what are the things that he had to overcome those difficulties 
and everything to create this flaw in the system up to the point of his death. Uh, and doing this, believing, believing that not only is his wife dead, but his child is more than likely dead as well. So it's just really interesting. And I would love to hear more of a story, especially since they casted an amazing actor to play him. Oh my gosh, Mads Mikkelsen is amazing. Yeah, and we just didn't get to see enough of him. Agreed. I, was, yeah, I felt like it was such a waste of his talent. Um, but yeah, I would love to, to know that story of how he put that failsafe in the Death Star and what obstacles he had to overcome. That is such an excellent choice. And I'm glad that you brought up the actor too, because my very first thought was if we could get Mads Mikkelsen to reprise that role for the story that you're asking, that would be, that would be, that'd be Star Wars gold. Yeah. Mad- and I think they could, yeah. they could do it. I think they really could do it. I think they but, could too. You know, it, it would be how would they put that in? How would they make that work? That's the, the real question. But hey, you, you let Filoni take a team of directors and you say, hey, we're going to do 20 to 30 minute vignettes as Disney Plus exclusives. We'll release one a week, choose background characters and let it rip Filoni. Like that would ever work. Like that formula has ever worked. Better yet. <laughs> yeah, no fan wants that. Take a page from the Falcon and Winter Soldier, six episodes. You can easily tell this step, this story in six episodes. Well, I, you know, and, and to Alton's suggestion, as we've been talking, I thought to myself, wouldn't that be cool to have a Star Wars Origins series where you get one or two episodes with uh, a lesser known character getting their life's journey, either their origin or what happens to them after we see them in the movies, you know, even just some range of time. That'd be a really cool series if it was done using the, the technology and resources of Mandalorian. Yeah. And my, my one request with that though, is no mainline characters and don't just shoehorn them into the background of the mainline adventures. I want to see them doing, living their own life, living their own story and watching that character be. My, no. my caveat to that is I would love to, like, if we're talking about Lobot, for example, I'm going to use that as an example because I've thought about this so much, but it would be cool to see him, like, have the origin story, have the Imperial Guard scenario, have the installation of the computer, his friendship with Lando, and then, like, every one of the scenes that we saw in Empire Strikes Back, I would love to see those dovetail into the other perspective, Lobot's perspective, the things that he was doing while the mainline stuff was taking place. Yeah. You know, I, and to be honest, I, I don't mind some of the main characters woven into the story as long as it's not done overboard. Just, you know, yeah, like, it can't steal the spotlight. Yeah, you know, like, let's take Mandalorian, for example. Luke showed up, was in there for just enough time. Uh, we had Boba Fett show up, was in there for just enough. It added to the story. Uh, you know, we had several other characters kind of weave their way in, but it wasn't the main objective. I think... You know, speak, definitely with like Galen Urso, we'd have to have Tarkin show up. Maybe Vader possibly showing up, but maybe not. You know, uh, I, I would love to see more Tarkin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I could agree with Again, that. Again, bad boys or bad batch. Mm-hmm. Oh some- no! Don't say things like that, Spoilers. Dan. Uh, I'm Dan. Dan. No, Dan. We no, Tarkin. Dan. Ugh. I'm already no, no, no. exhausted. He, I can't he, he watch said, more tonight. He said the characters are voiced by Alan Arkin. It's very different. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, you can't <laughs> watch that tonight. That that episode is over an hour long. Um. <laughs> so, Mr. Krebs. Yes. Um, it is now to you, sir. So, I had a tie for my second one. I, I, I chose two characters with a third in my back pocket just in case. But I think I'm going to... I think I am going to stick with my original selection and that is, and forgive me if I'm saying this wrong, but I cannot find a canonized pronunciation guide for this one. It's probably out there. I just haven't found it, but another bounty hunter named Bosch, B-O-U-S-H-H. It's either Bosch or Bausch, but in any case, Bosch is the bounty hunter that Leia impersonates when she goes to rescue Han from the Carbonite in Return of the Jedi. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons why C-3PO and Bib Fortuna and Jabba mistake her for a man 
It's because uh, Bosch is actually a successful bounty hunter, is fairly well known, has some renown. However, just prior to Leia saving Han, Bosch was assassinated by uh, the, the uh, Black Sun Syndicate. And it wasn't well known yet. The news had not gone out. It was very much under, it was underground. It was very hush hush. And so Leia jumped on that and used that as her disguise to save Han. I would love to see his exploits. I would love to see his assassination and his story culminating in that moment when Leia decides that this is, this is the right time to yeah. save Han and this is the avenue in which to do it. Well, and the really, you, you did pronounce it correctly. It is Bosch. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, excuse me. I, oh, excuse <laughs> me. Excuse me. Star Wars. In the Return of the Jedi radio drama, it was oh. pronounced Boosh. Yeah, so looking at Star Wars, they have it. Bougie. The pronunciation is Bo-S-H. So it is Bosch. Awesome. Uh, but, you know, the, that kind of leads up to a really interesting interesting question you know because the black sun syndicate as per solo was currently controlled by darth maul if you haven't yes. watched solo sorry I, I screwed it up for you ain't got tears for you yeah um however in the uh shadows of the empire story which it's i know that's legends now uh, mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. prince ixor which, oh, it, I would love to see that character come back. He's amazing. So if he's the one that terminated him, I really want to see that story. I actually, if I could just throw like a requested theory in there, since Leia uses Bosch as her cover and times it, I want, I, there's part of me that wants to find out that she used her diplomacy and manipulation skills to get the assassination underway that like she had him knocked off indirectly so that she could assume his identity and that's why it's quiet and that's why she knows it happened and that's why she uses it when she does that would be against the character though a little bit little bit i realize it drifts off into the dark side a little oh, bit but okay. she's also eliminating oh. she's eliminating a criminal Ooh, ooh, ooh. no I have, I have a good theory because shadow of the empire happens between empire strikes back and return of the jedi mm -hmm. In that book, Ixor is trying to seduce her. Yes. So maybe because <gasps> of that, she learns some stuff that she does use to her advantage. That way we don't violate the character. Um, but she takes advantage of that opportunity because like right after I do that, like that, they move into Jedi. So maybe she overheard something. Maybe she snuck some files. I like that. Yeah. Uh, that I could see Leia doing. I'm I'm always down for more bad Aleia. Like, I hear actually that. legitimate, like smart and go getter girl. Leia. No, I, I no, I love that form of Leia. Um, but to but we can't compromise her morals. Yeah, her moral though she you know she doesn't just go have someone knocked off to have someone mm -hmm. knocked off. Um, okay, then in that case, I'm going to alter it slightly, and I hope that Winter who is uh, who who lives as the quote unquote servant of Leia and Han, uh, but who obviously has like underground, she's obviously like a, a rogue class character, right? She, mm -hmm. uh, she has a dark past. She has ties to the underground. She is a very dangerous level lady. Like she's an assassin level type lady, but she's good. She's on the good side. I would love to find out that she hears through her sources, through her underground, and she brings the news to Leia. And then she says, this is good news for us. We have an opportunity. So Winter, uh, that's another great and interesting character because she was actually, she was raised as a sister uh, companion to, to Leia. So uh, she acted really much like a, an adopted sister. So that yeah. would really, that would be a really good time. And she for, would be a great choice if it weren't for tonight's conversation, if it weren't for the fact that she was never in the movies. Yeah. No. Oh, I could, I could totally see where she talks to winter and winter makes that happen. <laughs> winter soldier. No. Uh, yeah. I would love, I would love to see a Leia winter series, but that's, that's another talk for another oh, wow. time. That I'd, would be amazing. I, I would love to explore the clock method with Leia at some point. 
because I can kind of see where you guys are coming from, but I would love to contrive a situation in which we watch those hands move around Leia's core belief. Well, no, no real character is flawless. No real character is all good or all bad. Yes. So we could, we could dive into a little bit of shadows, a little bit of shadows in our life. Right. Mm. All right. But, but, but I cannot monopolize this microphone because, because we have Elton, to shock factor. Here it is. Elton has the last pick of the Are night. Are we going into the D for danger realm? The D is for Dengar. I mean, danger. <laughs> in, in, in this case, unfortunately, the D is for, for dead. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think that Krebs may have just gotten an inkling. Um, so uh, here's the thing. Okay, again, I've been spending some time with the prequels. I've been... Uh, you know, giving them some love, trying to Bless give them a brother. good chance and make sure that like I'm exploring everything through different lenses. I think I know where this is going and I'm super stoked. And at first I was like, you know, the the story between Shmi Skywalker and um, uh, holy cow, my brain just gave up Lars, but first name Klieg Lars. I'm like, okay, that's pretty interesting. I, I'd love to see more of that. I'm like, you know, Lars dragged himself back to the homestead after losing a leg. He's clearly said he could not ride with his injuries, which means that he manhandled himself back to camp. They went out with 30, they came back with four and he was missing a limb. So, right. I think that's pretty interesting. And so at first I was going to say, Klee Lars, but then I was like, wait, we see uncle Owen and aunt Baru. And we know that they came back to the homestead specifically because Shmi went missing and they were there to take care of him. And after Shmi came back and was buried, he gave up and died some short time afterwards, which trapped them to the homestead. And now they also have the son of (laughs) big bad evil guy that they're having to take care of. And we don't get to see a lot of who they are manifested other than this kind of tired, worn weariness. And I thought to myself, how fascinating would it be to be a fly on the wall as Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru are having this conversation about this impetuous little 10-year-old Luke. And they're having this back and forth about like, he, he... He's not really a gift to us, but he is our responsibility. He's the only family we have left. He has nowhere else to go. And watching and trying to keep Luke both sheltered from the Empire, because we know that they broke the tombstones for Shmi and Klieg so that the Empire would not get suspicious about a Skywalker. And... We also know that they tried to do the best that they could to convince Luke that this Jedi nonsense was an old hokey religion and don't worry about it, kid. What were the internal conflicts that were going on behind the scenes that helped them to evolve and helped them to grow Luke into what we saw at the beginning of episode four? Um, I think that while their deaths still definitely served an impact from a story perspective, if we were able to understand a little more of those struggles and the really that tragedy that existed, the perpetual loss that they experienced, would we feel more deeply for that interaction? A hundred percent. You know, okay, I will tell you, that's not where I thought you were going with that. And you completely caught me off guard. Mm -hmm. I actually feel myself getting a little emotional inside because I'm thinking of how that story could go and how we could see them in truth sacrifice so much of their life together to preserve the grandson of Shmi Skywalker. And the other thing that's important, we see their bodies outside of the homestead. Yes, we do. What were their last words? How impetuous were they to the empire? And how many stormtroopers did it take to hit that target? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. The, oh yeah and the extended universe oh, right. was there yeah it was both that makes sense is now. that canonized again is that yeah. back and in that's why that's why you find them on fire because it was the blowtorch his blow torch. it was his wrist torch yeah um i don't know uh, hmm. so one thing 
it would be cool because there's the new Obi-Wan series that we see some interaction there. Mm-hmm. You know, why uh, Owen you know, doesn't really like Obi-Wan um, or, or we find out why they are so against that, uh, that with Luke. It would be interesting to see if there is some interaction and they could weave that throughout the story. You know, the one, the one line that came to my head there is Owen saying, why can't you just take him somewhere else? And Obi-Wan says, you have a responsibility. And Owen says, you sound like my father. Yeah. <laughs> How deep and emotional and impactful would that be? To not play it to music, but to just let it be this half angry, exasperated, like, I can't take this. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that would have been a really Ooh. amazing e- ending. You really, there's no explanation as to why they took Luke. There, there really, there's no explanation why they decided to sacrifice as much as they. Obviously, they never had kids mm-hmm. um, that we know of. Um, but at the same time, my question is: is would that story work? They're farmers. Um, that would have to make Luke constantly getting in trouble. Do is is that the case? Um, and then it's another story on Tatooine. Do we want to do be on Tatooine yet again? Um, I, I think I think that we've seen that Disney, especially, is exceptional at low dialogue or dialogue less short films. Usually, in fact, you know, if I can if I can stretch that out just a little bit more, Pixar. Could you imagine if Pixar told that story? And and here's the other thing, Kay. I, I don't think that you would have to paint Luke as a troublemaker. I think that you paint him as a kid with his head in the clouds. Yes, that one, one who's perpetually right. looking away off into the sunset. Right. He is the the kid in the head in the clouds, but they probably don't see him as that. They probably see him as, you know. I think they see him almost like a ticking time bomb. Like the yeah. more the, the yeah. more they learn about Anakin and Vader, the more that they fear what Luke can become, which is why they're constantly trying to root him to the farm well, and prevent I, him from leaving. I'm pretty sure they that ev- them like everyone else in the galaxy believes Anakin died at the end of the Clone Wars, um, with Order sixty six. Well, I, I don't. And they, I don't know though might, because. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, but the, the natural extension of that would be they might be afraid that the Empire is going to come chase him down to kill him because his father was this yeah. crazy general in the Clone Wars that everybody knew, major, major, high up. Yeah, because I don't even think Obi Wan realizes at the end of that film that. Uh, Anakin survived. I, I think it's later on um, that he he comes to that knowledge. Uh, that's that's prob that that's that's possible. I'm definitely reading into that moment when Baru says, "You can't keep him here forever. He's got too much of his father in him." And then Owen says, "That's what I'm afraid of." Yeah. So well, I think I think that's referring to Anakin. Well, but even even if it isn't, we do know that Obi Wan did see. Sidious call Anakin Lord Vader. We we saw that at the end of episode three. You're right, you're right. And so as soon as it comes out that there's this new evil big bad henchman to the right hand of the emperor, there's gotta be a moment of realization that comes of, I I left him to die, he's still alive. I am not the one that can end this fight. I couldn't do it the first time, I can't do it the second time. And that would be really cool to see in the Obi-Wan series where, you know, he comes back and says, you know, maybe Luke's four or five and he's like, and he's still alive and he Mm -hmm. is Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. And then that line is even more powerful. Yeah. And, And you know what, no matter how you slice it, no matter what, this is just another vector of spice to that story. Depending on, depending on how you build that story from its start to its conclusion, you can choose how much Owen and Baru know about the truth of Vader. There's part of me that wants to, there's part of me that thinks the more they know, the more tragic it becomes um, because it becomes so desperate for them to prevent him from becoming another Vader. There's, there's another thread here that even if we even if we want to say that only Obi-Wan finds out that Anakin still lived as Darth Vader, right? Mm-hmm. There is a thread that is not directly addressed, which is Anakin kills all of the sand people, only tells Padme as they walk away and leaves the Lars's behind to deal with the aftermath. 
And so maybe that's the inciting incident of all of a sudden sand people start getting crazy riled up, attacking everybody on site. They find out about this, you know, terrible situation. And one of the sand raiders is holding up this garment that's been clearly burned in half by this saber blade. And there's this realization that like Anakin was not who he said he was. And maybe it's a good thing that the emperor ended all of the Jedi after all, if they really were out here to destroy the galaxy the way he says they were. So to, to sum it up, your choice of Owen and Beru is fantastic. You were right to save that for last. That was beautiful. We have just a smidgen of time before we have to wrap up this episode, but I am dreadfully curious. Did either of you have a third in your back pocket character for tonight's conversation? I, I, I could pick out multiples. To be <laughs> yeah, I uh, don't know that that's an entirely fair. Uh... <laughs> trying to narrow it down was really hard. I mean, well, then, well, then shoot out a couple names, just a couple names. Like, who would you have chosen? If not for the two that you chose tonight, who else would you have gone for? Man, I would have, yeah, again, I'm kind of leaning more towards the droids. I would have loved to see how K2SO be, broke his programming and ended up with Cassian. Yeah, because the they're an in and uh, I'm really getting worked up because I'm excited. But you know, they are an a droid specifically designed and built by the Empire. It's not like it was a droid beforehand that that came through, and he very clearly is going against his original programming. How did that happen? Was he reprogrammed? Mm-hmm. Was he hacked? Um, and of course, you know, voiced by Alan Tiddick, which is just amazing. Love Alan. Um, you know, but he has some great one lines. Like, you know, there's that scene where Jane Urso shoots the one, the one. He's like, did you know that wasn't me? Um, <laughs> clearly he, he has. It's not. He, it, and that was the other really great thing about him as a protocol droid is it wasn't the standard 3PO, uh, uh, annoying 3PO that we got. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, because all the other ones are very bland very uh ben stein type (laughs) Uh, so he he had personality he was being you know snarky you know when we heard the do you know what the percentage of her shooting us is i'm like oh here it is you know the the line we always get from 3po and he's just like a lot lot." (laughs) i'm just like perfect So speaking speaking of Imperials turned rebels, for me, the other big one that I went back and forth on was Biggs. Oh, Biggs. Um, Hearing or getting to see the story of him going off to become an Imperial pilot Mm -hmm. and what the journey was that he defected over to the rebellion. Was that something that the seeds were already planted within him? Do we get to see that interaction? We actually do. Uh, That's in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, well, then never mind. I'll shut my darn mouth and go watch some TV. I'm sorry, folks. Yep, no, that they actually- Not there yet. They introduce, uh, no, not, hold on. No, it's, it's Wedge, not Biggs. Oh, yeah, it's Wedge. Wedge. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Because sorry. Sorry. Biggs, Biggs gets smoked in A New Hope. Yeah, Biggs Dark Lighter is, mm-hmm. yeah. is Luke's friend. Sorry. Uh, yes, it's Wedge. I will recant that. Uh, it is not in Rebels. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's Wedge I'm okay. Within, I'm okay with seeing Wedge's story, but I feel like Biggs is a, a juicy morsel that's just sitting right at the edge of. Oh yeah. Yes. You, you know, Biggs crossed my mind too, and and Wedge is a great character, but Wedge has had a lot of limelight over the years between the books and cartoons, and even the brief appearance in Episode Nine. Um, Biggs. Biggs had half of his screen time removed. Well, let, let, let's be a little bit more conservative. About a third of his screen time was removed from the final cut of A New Hope. But I actually have a, a book from my, from my childhood that has live stills from when they were filming Star Wars, but it's a, it's a storybook and they have a chapter on Biggs and Luke, maybe not a full chapter, but they have a section on Biggs and Luke talking to each other before Luke leaves the farm with Obi-Wan. Um, and, and so they, they shot those scenes. I, I think I've even seen the raw footage of that scene, um, but they cut it out of the movie. I Biggs would be a great character. On some of the Blu-ray discs, yeah. even some of the DVDs, you I think you're right. That was a deleted scene. Yeah. Um, now I, a really impressive scene. I mean, the, I'll, I'll give Biggs this, man, he's got an impressive mustache. 
He's got the best stash in the universe. I, I do believe that the scenes were cut for good reason. I think that the edit sure. without them is much cleaner, yeah. but it does leave some threads that are it's, very interesting. It's a story untold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, totally, totally. It had nothing to do to progress the story they were telling, mm-hmm. um, but it does open a door for what was, what was that friendship like? What led up to that? Because uh, you know, there clearly was something there. Uh, and it would be interesting to find out about that character. So I will give you that. It would be really, really interesting. Again, as we've discussed, there are many, many characters throughout the Star Wars universe, both in the extended universe, which is now mostly called Legends, uh, the films, uh, cartoon animated series, uh, books, comics. I mean, there are, there are a plethora of characters out there that would be amazing to see more of. Um, you know, I would really love to see a series of the Jedi's that left and went to Korriban for the first time and found this the race of the Sith and became their overlords and created, you know, the Sith Lords at that point. Uh, that would be a really cool story to see. Um, you know, Exar Kun. I want to see, I, you know, besides seeing Jedi, let's start seeing some movies focused on the Sith Lords. Oh, yeah. Um, get that point of view. That would be really cool. A, a, a trilogy of Darth Bane or uh, any of these other characters. Well, you know that, that I know not part of the live action films, but Darth Revan deserves his own series. Yeah. No, it'll come. It'll come. I'm sure. I'm sure it's inevitable. Uh, I I really hope so. And you know, as much as I've enjoyed the time frame of the movies, I really want to see something beyond whether that's future tense or past tense from the Skywalker period. Uh, Yes, I'm enjoying Bad Batch, and it's telling a story that happens after Order sixty six. That's a really interesting place. But I would love to see the Old Republic. I'd love to see the future of Star Wars uh, beyond Ray and beyond, you know, the Skywalkers or whatever. So absolutely. With that mm. said, uh, it's time. It's time for us to go uh, and enjoy the universe. We'd love to hear your character. I guess that's what our question is going to be. That's our question for this week. Is who is who is the character you would love to see a story from that is not a main character? What side character that is from the live action films? We're staying focused to that that you would love to see more of. Yeah. And dungeon crawlers, even if in this moment you do not feel like you are the main character in a particularly exciting story, tell it. Tell that story, whatever may come. And whether you are the main character or the secondary character, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you, always. Dungeon Crawler.